Mac Power Users, Episode 25, Geeking Out with Hazel. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mac Power Users. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing great, David. It's good to be geeking out with you once again. Yes, it is. I really enjoy getting behind the microphone and talking about the Mac. And uh, this episode in particular is one I've been looking forward to recording. Uh, it's all about Hazel. Yeah, this, is... this episode is your baby. You are the acknowledged Hazel master. Now you're making me nervous, but uh, I think you'll find by the end of this episode that Hazel really doesn't require much mastery at all. If you can run iTunes smart playlists, you can run Hazel. But um, the thing that I find fascinating with Hazel is that people who spend a little time with it come up with uses for it that are are quite remarkable. And uh, we're going to get through that in the show. But I I really look forward to the payoff of this episode is getting emails and seeing comments from listeners with some of their Hazel ideas that I would have never even thought of that I can take and use in my workflows. So uh, it's really a great app. Yeah, uh, and I guess we should we talk a little bit about what Hazel is very generally and that it, it, it does a couple of things, but primarily it's rule-based file management. Um, and if, you, if you use rules in Apple Mail, you're familiar with the, the standard if-then rule statement, if this is true, then do this action. Um, but it will actually monitor files or folders in, in areas of your Mac and then apply certain rules in the background. And, and the idea is it's, it's really going to do, hopefully, a lot of those housekeeping tasks for you to keep your Mac running running lean. Now, you're not old enough to remember Hazel, are you? The housekeeper on the TV show? Yeah. 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 I uh, It was reruns when I was a kid, but I, I remember... Uh, hey, Nick know, at Night, man. Yeah, being homesick and... You know, you had to watch Green Acres and Hazel, and it was it was a good enough reason to not get sick because TV was so bad. <laughs> but Hazel's back, and now I love Hazel because uh, she's on my Mac. And I, I stumbled across this app, I don't know, a couple of years ago and, and wrote an, an extended review on it at Max Barkey and did one for Tim over at SurfBits. But, it, you know, sometimes you, you review apps, and after a while they kind of fade away. And this one just gets better with time. I mean, you always find new, new uses for it if you think about it. Well, and... One of the things that I found is that even if you're not quite ready to dig into some of the more power features of Hazel that David's going to talk about, it's still a very useful app right out of the gate because the other function that Hazel has is, I guess, what they're billing as the app sweep function. So whenever you throw away an application, you know, OS X has a tendency to have little bits of the application spread out throughout the operating system, and very few applications come with uninstallers. So just throwing away application, Hazel says, hey, I've noticed you've thrown away this application. I found all these random bits hanging around on your hard drive. Do you want to get rid of these too? And for a long time, David, I used Hazel really just with that feature and with a few very simple basic rules out of the box. And it was worth the price of admission for that feature alone. And then I could kind of gradually ease into it because it was a little overwhelming thinking of all these, gosh, I've got to have a rule for every folder. Um, but you don't. You just you kind of come with them, come up with them as you do, and I think it's a little less intimidating that way, but still gives you the ability to get some functionality out of it right off the bat. Yeah, I used to use an application called App Zapper, which I believe is still in active development, and it's a great... It was um, fairly recently updated, but it, it went for a long period there. But yeah, I've, I've used App Zapper as well. 
And it, it's it's a neat little app. You drag it on. It's like a miniature window. You drag it on your desktop, and or it's on your desktop when you load it, and then you can drag an application on top of AppSapper, and you get this great sound effect, and it tells you all the stuff it's throwing away. Very pleasing sound. Yes, it is. But I stopped using that when I got into Hazel because I like the way Hazel handles it better. With AppZapper, you have to actually open the application since Hazel is a preference pane that's essentially always running in the background. And when you go to throw away an application, it just monitors that for you. So if you throw an app in the trash, Hazel says, oh, here's an app. And then it pops up a little dialogue that says, I also found these you know, library files and these application support files, and would you like me to get rid of those too, please? And you don't have to think about launching a separate app. It just sweeps the, um, the app for you. The other thing that is nice is if you pull it out of the trash, it puts the support files back, which I'm not sure if AppZapper does that or not. I don't know if it... Well, you, you can do an undo button and don't zap this, but I think once you zap it, the stuff is, is pretty much gone, but... Yeah, I mean, and, and I have nothing against AppZapper. It's, it's a great little application, but I really don't have a need for it now that I've got Hazel installed. So I just wanted to point that out, that if, if some of these rules start getting a little overly geeky and you're not quite ready to dive into them yet, you know, don't just immediately say, okay, this application isn't for me and, and move on. Because, uh, you know, admittedly so, really until we started digging into this episode, I didn't really get all that geeky with Hazel, but still found that it was very functional. No, just embrace it. Do get geeky. Let yourself go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Surrender to the geek side. <laughs> go in and do it. It's 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 such, it's such a great app. If you find yourself doing anything with files more than once, then you need to make a Hazel rule. But we're going to get to that in a minute. First, yes. let's talk a little bit about the app. Uh, you can find it at noodlesoft.com, and the regular price is twenty one ninety five. But uh, with the publication of the show and for a week thereafter. Uh, the developer has been kind enough to give a 20% discount. So uh, the discount code is MPU25, Mac Power Users Episode 25. And if you plug that in for a week after we uh, release this show, you can get 20% off. And uh, that's 20% less than I paid for it. So go get it. And the the coupon code is in all caps. I'm not sure if it's required by the developer to be in all caps or not. So if you have issues with it, maybe try that. But all capital letters, all squished together. Um, but if you're not sure if you're ready to buy yet, they do have a 14-day free trial. In fact, if you don't have it already installed on your Mac and you're listening to this in front of your Mac, I want you to pause the recording right now and go download the 14-day trial because as we go through some of these rules, it's a lot easier to learn them in front of your computer. So go do that. Yeah, we'll wait right here. Now, wasn't that easy? <laughs> you know, before we go through some rules, though, let's talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, one of my favorite developers for the Mac is Agile Web Solutions, and their major product is 1Password. So always thrilled to have 1Password as a supporter of the show. I wanted to talk a little bit about their their new app development, and especially their iPad app. 1Password was ready out of the gate with an iPad-specific version of their their application, which, oh my goodness, is gorgeous. Uh, it's about as close to the desktop application experience as you can get. It has all the features of their current um, iPhone application. And what I really like about 1Password is because the developers are so cool, they've got a couple of different versions of the app. Um, they've got 1Password for the iPhone and the iPod Touch. 
They have One Password Pro, which is a hybrid app that has some additional features, but it not only will work natively on either an iPhone or an iPod Touch, but also natively on the iPad. And then they have an iPad-only version. So if you only have an iPhone or you only have an iPad and you want to save a little money, uh, you can buy the version that's specific to your device. My recommendation is to go ahead and get One Password Pro because you get everything in, in one application. You get some advanced features. And right there on the iPad, you can have all of your passwords, you can have all of your secure notes, you can have all of your software licenses. And I think people are finding more and more that although the iPad is that in-between device or in-between a notebook and a and a phone, it, it really, I think, shifts a lot closer to the notebook end than the phone end. Yeah, I'm, I'm setting up a new Mac right now, and having one password on my iPad was extremely helpful. Uh, one of the things I really like about the way they did the iPad app is they um, when you they have the alphabet down the right side of the column, so when you're in the category you want, if you just hold your finger over the letter, it does a quick scroll to the letter. It's just such a nice little touch. It feels like you're actually scrolling through a Rolodex. I mean... Um, Everybody talks about you know how they can't wait for the second generation apps to hit the iPad, and I can't help but feel like you know, in terms of one password, we got one of the second generation apps at the beginning, and they just did a really great job on this app. Yeah, I'm just I'm thrilled with one password. It's it's an even better experience on the iPad, and one of my favorite features is also the ability that you can export certain of your passwords. Um, as a as a bookmarklet so that you can actually access them within the Safari web browser, which is just a beautiful experience on the iPad. Do you use that feature? I need to. Yeah. I haven't done that yet. So far, what I've been doing is just copying it out of the app and then pasting it in, which I know is kind of silly. So I'm, I'm going to stop and figure out how to do that probably after we finish this show tonight. Well, and with iPhone version 4.0 coming sometime this summer, I think 1Password is going to be even more useful when you have the ability to do fast app switching and yeah. you can just go back and forth between the devices. Uh, but you can find more information over at AgileWebSolutions.com. Uh, 1Password is available from their website, and you can find a link with a 20% discount code on our website, MacPowerUsers.com, and check out their iPhone and iPad apps over in the Apple App Store. And thanks to 1Password for sponsoring the Mac Power Users. It's, uh, it's a privilege to have them as a sponsor. They're one of those companies that really just gets it. Yeah. So let's talk about some rules. Okay. Um, you know, the idea behind Hazel is really like an iTunes smart playlist or an, an Apple Mail smart uh, folder. It's really to kind of clean the cruft up and, and keep everything neat and tidy, which I must say I am pretty obsessive compulsive about doing that on my Mac, not so much in the real life. Yeah, and sometimes I think it can become an obsession. Or I need a hazel at my office. Is that yeah. an option? Yeah, you, you don't want to spend so much time cleaning your Mac that the rest of your life is a mess. But uh, opening hazel, it's a preference pane, and probably the easiest place to start doing rules is is in the trash. You know, it allows you to pick different places to place rules, and the the middle tab is trash, and this is built-in rules, and so you can have automatic trash maintenance uh, in mine. I have it delete files that sit in the trash for more than a week automatically. I figure if I'm not going to want it back within a week, then I'm never going to want it back. And so it's a simple checkbox, and you can change those settings to one week or one day or one hour, three weeks, whatever you know works for you. But it's also got a nice setting in there that allows you to keep trash um, under certain sizes. So, for instance, if your trash can gets really large, and that happens sometimes if you work with large media files and you're not paying attention, 
have you ever had that happen, Katie, where you look in your trash and there's like 10 gigabytes in it? Nope. You want to <laughs> know have, why? Why? Because I am an overly obsessive compulsive trash dear. I throw oh. something in the trash, I right click and it's gone. I know it, it's come back to bite me a few times, but that's why I have Time Machine. But something about having that little trash icon at my dock with paper in it just bugs me to no end, and I have to get rid of it. So you have to see through the wireframe, right? I have to. I have to. I can't stand. And I'll just I'll boot up my computer, and I'll be like, oh, there's something in the trash. And I won't even look at it. I'll just delete it. And sometimes, like I said, that's come back to bite me. So while I do not advocate using your trash as a holding pen, if you are guilty of doing this, Hazel is a way to take care of some of that for you. Because believe me, I know those people who have gigabytes upon gigabytes in their trash. Well, I, I've done that sometimes. I look up and I look at my you know menu meter and I say, oh my goodness, I'm running out of space and I can't figure out why. And I go look in my trash can and I've recently worked with some large media files and I find that I have 10 gigabytes in my trash can. And so I'll go throw it away. Maybe I need to change this rule in here that if it gets over two or three gigabytes to throw it out. But uh, so you've got that rule. You've also got the ability in Hazel to automatically delete securely. And if you're dealing with sensitive stuff and you'd like to make sure that when you empty the trash, it's done securely, it'll do that for you as well. So it's really pretty nice. I think that this is another one of those features where you could almost justify the purchase just on the trash maintenance. You know, sure. it's got the extra features in it that everybody wishes Apple would put in and everybody knows they never will. Well, unless they just steal them, which they've done before. No, it's it's too much. You know, they like it simple. Yeah, so right. we uh, should point out though that if if you do choose to securely delete the trash every time, it may be a little bit of overkill, and you're going to notice it's going to take a lot longer to empty your trash, especially with those big files. So, you know, just decide you know whether you need that secure delete option for everything, or you can always invoke it manually. Yeah. Okay, uh, but the the real meat and potatoes of Hazel is in folder management. The concept is it will observe certain folders that you designate and it'll apply rules to files that are in those folders. So it's looking at every file that goes in there and comparing it against a set of rules. And the easiest place to look at this is probably your downloads folder. And I believe Hazel comes actually with some built-in downloads rules. Right off the bat, yeah. You can download some samples rules and it, it automatically, although not activated, is it automatically has some default rules for the download folder. Yeah. So, for instance, if you have old DMG files, you know, you download DMG files, and we talked about this on one of our episodes. I think it was one about setting up a new Mac. Um, so you, you're always downloading applications, and you've got these DMG files sitting in your downloads folder, and at some point you have to remember to throw them away or put them in a separate place that you may have set aside for them. Well, if you have a Hazel rule that looks for um, .dmg, then it is going to uh, copy that that file to wherever you tell it to. So in my case, I've got an attached Drobo, and I've got a file on that for uh, DMG and you know CD image files. And Hazel is always looking at downloads, and if it sees a DMG file in there, then it copies it over. So the way I did that was I created a new rule, and you do that simply by um, clicking on the downloads folder on your left side of the in your left pane. And if you don't have a, a downloads folder there, you just hit the little plus sign below. This is really similar to setting up in Mail or setting up in iTunes. So you add a folder to be monitored. 
and you just go and select your downloads folder. So that's the first step. You've created now a monitoring of your downloads folder with Hazel. So now Hazel's looking at that folder, but it doesn't know what to look for. So then you go to the right side of your Hazel screen and uh, you hit the plus sign on there and you add a new rule and you open the rule up. The first thing you do is you type what's the description of the rule. And for this one, I'd say move old DMGs. And that's the rule I have. So uh, that's just the name of it. It doesn't do anything yet. And then it's got some conditions. It's You can have it uh, monitor to apply all rules or just any rules. In this one, we're going to put all rules because we're going to have a couple criteria. The first one is extension. So if you click on the Hazel, the first boxes, it gives you a, a bunch of different criteria. And extension is one of them. You know, So it's looking for the, the file name extension. So we'll say the extension, and we'll say is, and then we'll type in the letters DMG. So your first rule with moving old DMG files is, Hazel, look at anything in my downloads folder that ends in the letters DMG. Okay. Okay, with me so far? I've got it. Okay, so then you hit in that first line you'll see at the end, there's a little uh, negative sign and a, and a positive sign. The positive sign adds another rule. And this, this is, is where you want to make sure that you've got that if statement correct. So you can either say if all of these conditions are met or if any of those conditions are met. So that's yeah. got to be right or you're going to have wacky results. Yeah, and in this case, it's all. So we hit the positive sign and we create an, uh, another condition. And the condition will be date added. And then the second box, you'll say, is not in the last. And you can say it is or is not. You know, there's a lot of different conditionals here, but is not in the last. And I'm just going to use six hours. So I'll type six in the box. And then hours. You know, you can pick hours, days, weeks, or minutes. So if I have a DMG file that is not added in the last six hours, then it takes that file and drops it in to my Dropbox. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. So you've got the first two rules, though. We got the extension and the date added, right? Right. Now, okay. You, okay. Now, now so all DMG to, files that have been there for more than six hours. And the reason I pick six hours is because I figure if I'm going to download something, I'm usually excited enough about it to install it within six hours. And uh, you could make that 24 hours if you'd like. Well, you know, it just depends on how you work. But for me, usually I get it installed pretty quickly. So then the next thing is do the following. So once I have a file that meets all that criteria, Hazel says, what do you want me to do with it? And that's another simple rule. You just click on the, uh, the arrow and you click move file. You could, you can have the option to copy or move. We're going to move it. And then I, in the second window, I select the software download, um, folder that I have on my, uh, Dropbox. I'm sorry, my Drobo. My Drobo, right. Yeah. And that's it. So the folder is gone from your downloads folder. You're not, or the DMG file is gone from your downloads folder. You're not taking up disk space, but yet you've got a copy of it forever on your Drobo. And when you want to, at some point, create that magical install, portable hard drive, flash drive, whatever, all of your installers are there on the Drobo. Yeah. And there's an option there to replace if duplicate, which I use because uh, sometimes you download a DMG file. And it may be, I, I, do, I do the um, sneaky peeks for OmniFocus, the new betas. And a lot of times they have the same name as the old one. And I go ahead and just have it overwrite the old one so I don't have 15 versions of that application in my downloads folder. Now, I'm wondering if you could use uh, Hazel to set up a rule. You know, I'm just thinking 
let's say Firefox, for example. Usually when you download a Firefox DMG, it says, you know, Firefox 3.6.1 or 3.6.2 or, or whatever. So the so in your case, it's, it's not going to delete the old one because the file names are the same. No, it's not. You're right. Um, so can you create a rule that says, watch my installers for items named... I guess you'd have to create a separate rule and then delete the one that's not the most recent. Well, what you could do is you can make a separate rule, and I think we're getting ahead, getting ahead of myself okay. probably a little bit, but you could get a rule to watch your software folder on, on the Drobo right? and just say, if there is a file that has the name Firefox mm-hmm. that is older than five months, right? then delete it. So maybe you've got a couple of versions, but at least you don't have... All the old yeah. versions. Yeah. There you go. In fact, I so use that. That's yeah. going to create a little more work, but. Well, no, much. it's, yeah, it's not that, it's not that difficult. I mean, just go through, once again, you go through the criteria. How would you make that rule? Um, let's just talk through it. So the new rule would be called, you know, old fire, get rid of old Firefox. And if the name, instead of saying the name is something, you'd say the name contains. So it would contain the word Firefox, but it might contain other, you know, version numbers as well. So we just say contains the word Firefox. And then the file is, you know, not in the last five months, which is the second rule we had before, but instead of five hours or six hours, we'd say five months, then move file to trash. Right. It's essentially the same rule. I use a rule very similar to that uh, with our favorite, you know, one password, one password, the way I have it set up, I'm really aggressive about making backups. And sometimes it starts to load up the hard drive with a lot of backups. So I have it monitor the um, backup folder that I have designated in one password and all the backups that are older than two weeks get automatically trashed. So I don't have to worry about that. Oh, yikes. Oh, I need to do that. Yeah. I mean, anything that you do repeatedly, I do the same thing with OmniFocus uh, because I back up OmniFocus like 10 times a day between my usage of it. And I could, you know, end up with gigabytes of backups if I'm not careful. So, you know, after a couple of weeks, it's stale. I mean, really in OmniFocus after a day for me, it's stale, but I keep two weeks and uh, then I don't feel so bad about it. So it works the same way as the rule I just described. And that's just really kind of a simple rule. But in downloads, you can have several different ones. For instance, you end up with a lot of PDFs uh, in your emails that sometimes you save the PDF. You know, when you click the Save button in Apple Mail, it drops it into your Downloads folder. And so you end up with all these PDFs there. And what I have a rule that monitors the Downloads folder, and it takes anything that's a PDF, and it immediately copies that, or actually moves it to a... Um, a folder I have called action on Dropbox. I have I actually have a folder on Dropbox that I, I kind of put stuff in that I need to clean out and that doesn't wait any time. It does it immediately. So it doesn't wait if it's within the last hour. If, if there is a file in there called PDF, it's gone. You don't see it very fast. You know, it's not there long. Yeah. I actually have a, a similar rule for my desktop, which I think is one that you were, you were going to get to sooner or later. I hate keeping things on my desktop, but we all know that if you're actively working on something, the desktop can be a reasonable place to temporarily store things while you're working back and forth. So I actually went through and had a rule that monitors my desktop. And if it finds anything that the date modified has not been within the last two days, it moves the file off of my desktop into a folder that I call just a file folder that's inside my documents folder, which is yet another, I guess you would call it like an action folder. These are things that I need to do something with. 
Um, oh, okay, so walk us through your rule. Just walk us through your desktop rule then. Okay, so my desktop rule is is pretty simple. I named my rule no longer new files, which is probably an, an overly long name. Oh, and I lied. It's three days. So I said if all of the criteria are met, but it's it's really not all of the criteria because it's it's one one item. But if date last modified is not in the last three days, and then do the following, move file to folder, and I call it file folder, and it's located inside my documents folder inside my home directory. And that's it. I mean, it's a simple two-step rule, and it, it keeps my desktop clean of anything that I haven't been actively working on in the last three days. And it doesn't throw it in the trash, so you know it's not lost. Right. Yeah, I have a similar rule, and... I, like I said, I have this, I created this action folder on my Dropbox because I work between two different Macs. And so I want all this stuff swept into there. I want it out of my local downloads folders. I want it on this Dropbox folder so then I can process it either from the iMac or from the MacBook. And so I have the rule, like I talked about earlier, sending the PDFs up there. I have a similar rule on the desktop that does that. And so it goes into the action folder, but then I also have Hazel monitor the action folder. And in that action folder, I have a folder called PDFs and a folder called documents and a folder called pictures. And you can figure out what I'm getting to here. Um, I have a series of rules that look for those different types of documents. So once they land in action, Hazel automatically goes through and sorts them into the proper folder. So, uh, you know, usually PDF is email attachments and scans and things I've collected, Um, when I'm in the mood to do it, you know, maybe we're watching TV together or something and I just want to, you know, get some busy work done. I can just go to that action folder, clear that stuff out and get it sent to the right place. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. And then it gets even geekier because then I have Hazel rules that monitor the PDF folder inside the action folder. Okay. You with me? Okay. So, so, uh, you know, usually they go into that action folder. They've just got the default name that it was in the email attachment or, or came down off the internet or wherever I received it. And this is where I do a little bit of work. I go in and rename the file. I'll, you know, using the space bar with quick look, I can say, Oh, that's a gas bill. And I'll just type in the word gas bill. And then it runs a whole series of rules. Once it sees the word gas bill, it knows how to name it, where to put it and what to do with it. So I guess I should go through that too. We talked about this a little bit on the paperless episode. Yeah, this is a little more complicated uh, rule. Yeah, I did an an extended uh, post on this at Max Sparky, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Uh, But I I really have got this one uh, honed down, and I got some help from the developer, Paul Kim, who sent me a, a nice email with some ideas and suggestions. And so what I do is... The rules that manage these PDF files in the action slash PDF folder look to the name of the document. So you're going to type in the name. For instance, I have a disability insurance policy. Um, uh, so the statement comes down through email or off the web, and I or I scan it in with my scan snap. So in some way, I get a PDF. And the, the PDF doesn't say disability statement in the name. It says some weird, bizarre coding that the web gives it. So I hit the space bar in my PDF folder and I say, oh, there's my disability statement. Then I hit the space again to close it. But since I've already got the icon highlighted, I just hit the return key once. And in OS X, uh, that allows you to rename the file. Uh, And then I just type in the word disability statement. I don't type the date. I don't do anything except just disability statement. And if I wanted, I could get tricky and make it, you know, 
dis s or something. I could give it even a shorter name, but I like to kind of make it simple for me and my peanut-like brain. Uh, so once I've done that, then it's named, and then I've created a Hazel rule. So now I'm going to go through that Hazel rule. You with me? Okay. Okay. This one's a little complicated. So the first thing is the condition, and the condition is real easy. The name contains the word disability statement. Okay, so that's all. It's just looking for files that meet that condition. It doesn't have to be qualified about being there for a certain date or anything else. You just have the name um, uh, contains the word disability statement. So then the first thing you're going to do is you're going to move the file. And I have created a set of nested folders in my records file. And one of, you know, if you dig deep, drill deep enough, it gets to insurance and then it gets to slash disability state, uh, disability policy. And then inside there is another slash statements. So I've got, you know, general correspondence coming in about that insurance policy in one place, but I also have a subfolder just for statements. So I set that up a long time ago and Hazel knows to drill down to that folder and move this file that says disability statement to that folder. But that's not enough because if you just leave it there, then you're going to get every month, you're going to have these files on top of each other with the same name and you're not going to know when they were, you know, right. Or they're going to be overriding each other or what? Exactly. So, uh, the next thing you do is another rule out of Hazel and that one is called rename file. So you hit the little plus sign, you open up another rule and you drop down to rename file and Hazel allows you to rename with patterns. So, well, let me, uh, let me back up for just a second. You don't necessarily, because you said create another rule. You don't necessarily create another entire rule. This is all within the same rule of dealing with my disability insurance statements. But what you're doing is you're creating another step in that rule. Yes. I'm not being clear. So this is all one rule. So the, the condition is it's named disability statement and the actions are the following. It has, it has three, actually four actions. So the first one is move it to statements. The second one is rename the file. And the way you rename it is you uh, put a pattern in and, and if you click on the rename file uh, instruction in Hazel, it gives you a whole bunch of dropdowns under the attributes menu. And one of them is name. So you can actually drag name up into that field and it just it applies the name that already exists to the file but it's got a whole bunch of other things you can do too and one of them is date created which is what i use so i drag the date created module up into the pattern field and if there's a little um, disclosure triangle in the side of it that allows you to edit the date pattern so the first thing i do is i put date created up there and i edit that pattern to the way i like to do these things it's a year, you know, numerically. So 2010 hyphen month, you know, zero four hyphen date 21. And I have it that way on every one of these rules for all these different bills and things I sort through. So the first thing it puts in there is the date code of the date created. And since you're, you're putting it on your computer the day you download it or the day you scan it, that's usually right around the time of the statement. Okay. You with me? Yeah. Assuming that you're download it when you're supposed to, which I'm not guilty of. But, yeah. yeah. And, and if you're driving your car right now and you drive into a pole because you're trying to figure this out, I take no responsibility because I know this is kind of weird. You almost have to be in front of a Mac to figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a link so, in the show notes to your Mac Sparky right up with it. Yeah. So you have date created and then I put in just a hyphen and then a space and then I drag the name up. 
So you put the name back in. So so now I've got it saying 2010-4-21-disability statement. So now you know what it is and you know when it's from. And then I drag up extension. So it says PDF at the end. And so now what I've done is I've moved it to the disability statement subfolder and I've renamed it with a date automatically pulling the date creation date and, and sticking it on the front. Okay. So we're getting there. We're almost there. Now, now the we're third thing you're going to do is you're going to sort it. And uh, because you, I've been doing this for years and I don't want to have one big folder with years and years of statements with it, I want to sort them into subfolders based on the year. So there's another Hazel instruction. So you hit the plus sign again. And one of the possibilities is sort into subfolder. It's the fourth one down, you know, as you open the folder. Uh, so sort into subfolder. And then once again, it gives me a with pattern uh, field and it has an attribute. And you just drag, I use the date created and I drag the date created up into that. It's a little blue pill. You drag it up there. And it's once again, got a disclosure triangle and I edit the date pattern for that. And I remove everything except the year. So what happens is, um, Hazel goes and sees this as a 2010 statement. It puts it in the 2010 folder and it's all based on the date created. It only looks at the year. If there is not a 2010 folder, like in January, when I hit this, Hazel creates a 2010 folder. So when I hit 2011, uh, it will go and make a subfolder for 2011. And you could do that with the month and the uh, date and the year. I mean, you can make it as, as granular as you want, but I think by the year is fine for me. So I've got a rule now that goes, takes these statements, puts it in the right subfolder and creates a new subfolder if it needs to. And then the final instruction I give it to do is to, um, uh, is to give me a growl notification that says statement filed. Wow. Okay, now let's let's back up through that because a lot of people right now are saying, you know, they're turning off the podcast and they're saying this Max Sparky guy has lost it. He's insane. There's no way that I'm going to get that granular with my stuff. And it would be so much faster if I just renamed the dang thing when I downloaded it and stuck it in the file folder where it goes. But it's not because once I set this folder up for one type of bill, you can duplicate it. And it's really simple to just go through and change the destination and change the name. And so the whole thing took me, it took me probably an hour to figure it out, to be honest. <laughs> figure out the first time, yeah. Yeah, but... But, but, but you've I, saved them that hour. They don't have to do that now. Yeah, just go to my website and, and download that that page that has all the instruction on it. But Or, or you could do it listening to me. Just I just went through it literally every step. So, uh, But once you create one rule that works, then you just duplicate it like, 15 times and you put gas bill and electric bill and whatever other insurance you have and whatever is important. And now it's done. So when you sit there and look at that folder, fill of all of your scans, um, I guarantee you it's faster to just hit the space bar, hit the enter key, type in a name and just watch it disappear. I'm surprised you don't make it even faster by having a text expander snippet and you just type DI and it says disability insurance policy, blah, blah, blah. Katie, oh God, I've created a monster. You're creating one right now, aren't you? You just blew what? You you just blew my mind. <laughs> I'm totally doing that this month. Oh no! Okay. Well, there you go. Dot ds. Dot ds. Dot ds. All what? of my bills are going to start with a dot. Dot ds. Disability statement. Goodbye. Ching. Well, the other thing you can do is you can add a noise, a sound. That's kind of fun too. You know, a, a satisfactory. You know, 
plop as it goes away. Okay. So, all right. I mean, I, I, I got to admit, I, I was in the camp of, of people thinking that you were crazy. But I, I, I do see the appeal of that. And, and part of it is if you go back and listen to our paperless episode, um, I kind of talked about how I, I use some utilities like paperless and Neatworks to manage all of my paper. And quite frankly, in the past year, and, and perhaps we need to do an update to that show at, at some point, um, I have not been thrilled with my system, and I'm probably, with the exception of true receipts, going to be migrating to this type of system in the in the very near future. And I can see especially doing that first migration and downloading or pulling out of my old system a lot of these old files that have similar types of things, that this is this is going to save me not only some time with that initial migration, but also time in the future once I get a workflow going. It really works great, and I just don't use it for you know mindless bills and utilities. I use it in my profession as well. I you know, I have rules set up for different cases and whatnot, and it allows me to quickly file these things away in a very portable system. And someday we're going to do a show on how to use a Mac in a PC office, but uh, this goes a long way because this is completely portable. You're going to have a, fo- a nested group of PDF files, and they can be read on any computer out there, you know, Linux, Windows, Mac, whatever. And uh, it's very portable and it's very quick. Um, I've, you know, I just got at the ABA tech show, I was talking to an attorney who, who followed up with my original post and he's built his whole office filing system around Hazel and he loves it. You know, it, it works great. There's no mistakes made because it can, well, really it's better than you think having staff do it in a lot of ways. I mean, the, when you have humans dragging folders, dragging files from one folder to the next, there is, you know, there's a mechanical step there where it's very easy to just drop it in the wrong folder. And I've done this in the past where I put something in the wrong folder without even realizing it just because you happen to let go, you know, a millisecond too early and ended up in the folder above or below. And uh, with this automation, you don't have that problem. You know, once you set up the rule properly, it is going to end up in the right place. It's a great, it's a great app. I mean, that's just a, that's one way to use it. Um, I think one of the things I'd like to talk about is, uh, the different tools you can use Hazel with, but before that, maybe we should talk about smile on my Mac. We should talk about smile on my Mac, especially, um, yeah. since you're, you need a few moments to go now and create your text expander snippet. So you can go do that if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is our second advertiser today. Right. And, uh, smile my Mac is uh you know they they make one of my favorite apps PDF pin which kind of works with this discussion we just had about these PDFs because I use PDF pin a lot of time to open these PDFs that I spend all this time moving around and um we also talked about and and I apologize I'm I'm throwing you for a loop here but one of the things that Hazel will do is it it or we will talk about is that it will run apple scripts and we talked a couple of shows ago about how PDF now has this great built-in uh, OCR capability. So if you have a PDF that is not already OCR'd and you don't want to go out and spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars uh, for the Adobe Acrobat version that will go through and OCR your documents, uh, Smile on My Mac has built in OCR into PDF Pen and they even have a Apple script that you can use to automatically create PDF Pen OCR readable files. So you can actually have a Hazel folder that says OCR these and have it go off and do its thing while you're doing something else. 
Yeah, you could load it into an Apple script. I like to call that the uh, the Mac Power Users Rule in uh, PDF Pen. I you know because we were really active with them when we did that episode on Paperless and and Smile My Mac got right on it and added you know that ability to PDF Pen to automatically run your OCR uh, through a Hazel script. I'm sorry, through a, a PDF Pen script. Right, and anything that you can Apple script, you can you can throw into Hazel. Uh, but let's let's back up and l- let's talk a little bit more about PDF Pen. Uh, they've got two versions. They've got a, a regular and a pro version, fifty dollars or a hundred dollars, depending on which version you need. And this will allow you to edit your PDFs. So if you've got that document that's been PDF, but you just need to make one quick little text change, you can do that one within PDF Pen. Um, if you need to drop your signature, which I actually just did tonight. Uh, into a PDF and mail it back to somebody, you can do that with PDF Pen. You know, it struck me recently how how few people use fax machines anymore because what we're doing is we're emailing these files back and forth. So a uh, small office or a home office, don't have a fax machine, don't want a fax machine. You can do a lot of that type of stuff back and forth with PDFs. I think most people now would prefer to receive PDFs via email than they would via fax. What I really like about PDF Pen is they have two versions. They have the basic and the professional version, so you can make a choice. Some of the other developers on the um, in this space don't do that. You know, Adobe, you have to buy Adobe Acrobat Professional on the Mac. They don't have a standard version. And PDF Pen has both of them, a standard and professional. They're both cheaper than uh, Adobe Acrobat, and for a lot of uses, they have everything you need. And you've got a free trial, so you could download it. You could play with it. Uh, just a great application. I use it every day. So you can find out more about PDF Pen, Text Expander, and all of the other great products over at smileonmymac.com. So we've talked through the craziness that I have with my filing system. But, you know, there's a lot more you can do with it. And this is the part where I want you to use your imagination and write me and tell me what I'm missing out on. Because there's so many options you have. I mean, one of the basic ones is just setting color. If you like to, uh, you know, color code your files, you know, like if you've got a folder and you want the movies to be blue and the audio files to be red, um, that's easily done in Hazel. You can just go through and look at the name extension and then apply a color to it. It's, it's two rules. And it'll automatically monitor it. So as you add new files, all that coloring is already done. And it's actually one of their sample rules. So if you don't want to have to create it yourself, all you got to do is plug in the variable and, and they've created it for you. Although it is pretty easy to create it yourself. Yeah, but the nice thing is the automation. Once again, you don't have to stop and think about it. It's, it's always happening. Uh, one of the creative uses of coloring uh, the files I've seen is people who color code files about the length of time they've been in there. So maybe you don't want to go nuts and and have it automatically sort through your downloads folder and move stuff away from you. But you do want to make sure you don't keep a bunch of old stuff in there. So you could set up a rule that says if a file is over seven days old, make it red. Mm-hmm. And then you can just open the folder and look and see, you see, you know, here's a whole bunch of red files. And then you could go through and Gosh, see. Gosh, I really got to do something with those. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can have it move files. Um, I've talked a little bit about sorting into subfolder, but that's a pretty powerful rule when you think about it. You can start uh, creating some really interesting rules uh, and creating your own subfolders on the fly. Um, one of the things it does a lot of people don't realize is it will import into iTunes and iPhoto. Yeah, this is a. I, I use a combination of a lot of these rules actually. Again, just in managing my downloads folder. So um, any dot any movie file, any music file, 
that's been there. Um, I, I think my rule says that if it's been there for more than a day sitting in my downloads folder, it will go ahead and import it in iTunes or import it. Um, I think it's important to iTunes. I don't think I do this with my photos because I, I sometimes I can have random images sitting in there. Um, but I have any, any images that are sitting in there that got moved to a different file. Um, but then I don't have to sit there and watch it. I mean, I had this MOV file sit in my, um, my downloads folder for a, a couple of months before I was like, you know what? I'm just going to toss that into iTunes because I obviously want to keep it, but I, I don't like looking at files and folders. So I use that quite a bit, and then I do the sort into to subfolders commands because I've I've now suborganized my my downloads folder into a couple of different folders. So I've got I've got a folder for installers, kind of like you have a folder for installers. I've got a folder for for PDFs and things like that. I've got a uh, an interesting rule. Well, actually, you and I talked about this before we started recording today. Is there a way to take a Pages or iWork document and drop it straight into iTunes and have it available so the next time you plug in your iPad, you know, because you can you can copy uh, uh, iWork documents onto your iPad in the new iTunes interface, and uh, sadly, it doesn't do that yet. We, we tried I, it. I think, now, no, it doesn't do that yet, and I think that's partly an Apple limitation. But, you know, you can run Apple scripts within iTunes. My guess is, and, and I guess we'll throw this out as a geek challenge if we can steal the term from our Mac Geek Abs friends, there's got to be a way to do this. There's There's got to be a way to use Hazel to keep, you know, updated copies of documents on your iPad or documents on your Mac that you want in sync with your iPad. I, I don't think you can do it just with using Hazel. I think there's got to be some kind of Apple scripting involved, but there's got to be a way to do that. Yeah, that would be interesting. You can run an Apple script, an automator, or a shell script as a Hazel rule. So, uh, if you're an Apple script coder, you know, knock yourself out. I just I just re- recently wrote a, an Apple script that will take an application file and extract the icon image from oh my, it. You know, wow. it'll, it'll drill down into the resources file and find the icon and export it and save it to the desktop. But I'm thinking I could probably add that to a Hazel rule as well. Um, but that's a discussion for another day. The um, Another thing you can do with Hazel, and I just discovered this preparing for this show. I, I thought I was a Hazel wizard, and I, I didn't realize this existed. And it, it's right in front of your face, but for some reason it just never sunk into me. You can add a spotlight comment. And oh, yeah. that's really useful. And I'm going to have to go back now and update my, my, my filing rules because I'm going to add an additional instruction to add a spotlight comment, you know, disability statement. Just put that in as a spotlight comment for you, every disability statement that gets filed. And then I can search it through, um, through spotlight that way. Although I don't know if that's really necessary since it's named disability statement. I think spotlight would find it anyway. But yeah, I think that's, that's overkill, but I mean, it, you know, I don't know if you OCRing the document and sending the OCR content into a spotlight comment is probably way overkill, way yeah. overkill. But that's completely but doable. With it Hazel. is completely doable. Yeah. You could run an Apple script, get the uh, OCR out of PDF pin, drop it into a comment. Yeah. That would be kind of fun to figure that out. You can also make an alias of a file, which is real helpful if you're doing some syncing, um, you can create and extract archives of files automatically with Hazel. Which might be something to do in your downloads folder. Of course, you do have to be aware of potential security concerns, which we've been pretty safe on the Mac, but I don't know that you automatically want to start unzipping files. Yeah. 
and you could uh, you could send a growl notification, which is kind of fun, yeah. just to make it show up on your screen. So we've given you a, a couple ideas of of possible Hazel scripts, and I mean I can I can certainly give you a couple of more uses, but there are a great number of resources over on the NoodleSoft's website. They actually call it their recipe exchange. Yeah, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. And this thing is awesome. There are some great ideas in here. Uh, I started going through it and found a couple that I thought were just amazing. One of them is the Hazel security picture script. And this guy created a Hazel rule that uh, he uses Dropbox, okay? And he has Hazel looking at a file in Dropbox. And if that file changes its name, then Hazel runs a shell script. And the guy wrote a custom shell script that takes five pictures with the built-in eyesight camera of whoever's sitting in front of his computer. And then it reports the IP address and where the guy's located at. Oh, my gosh. And emails it all to him. And then he said it. He even modified it. The original rule would send it to him in like an email or on a Mac. But he was able to modify it using the Dropbox iPhone app to where it gets him five pictures on his iPhone, you know, within a minute. So if 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 he's if in a coffee shop and somebody takes off with his Mac, um, and he can he, he goes can into act, his iPhone app on his Dropbox, he, he renames it, he, yeah he renames one file, and then before the police arrive, he can have five pictures of the guy sitting in front of his Mac. Of course, assuming the Mac is is still on and still transmitting, but yes, yeah. Well, right. And if not, he can do it at some point later. And as soon as it connects to the network and as soon as that Dropbox file gets gets updated, it's going to do that. Yeah, but Hazel is bla- blazingly fast, as is Dropbox. So between those two things, if this computer gets on the Internet for any reason, um, then he's good to go. Of course, if he had PGP like me, they wouldn't get in anyway. But that's cool. That's cool. I, I just think it's neat that somebody would come up with such a crazy idea with this with this scripting application. Um, another one that I thought was, and then neat. you could even even go another step further. That sends a little ground notification that says, "Hey, guy who stole my Mac, I know who you are, and we're coming after you." Yeah, <laughs> but then of course that would you know motivate him to take a sledgehammer to it. Oh. Maybe that's not the desired case, but yeah, yeah. There was another one that had a folder labeling system, and. Uh, he uses uh, a system to label folders depending on how long the files have been on his Mac. So on his desktop, he has a 24-hour folder and a uh, four-day folder, and they've got different colors. So the files automatically get dropped into those different folders. And that would work, too, if you want to keep a filing system on your desk and just want to be able to quickly get to things that you've accessed recently. Um, that also would work, I would imagine, with some of the rules that you can do in the Finder. You know, since they, since I think it was Leopard that they started allowing you to do these Finder rules. But uh, this is a slightly more customizable way to do it. I also got some interesting rules from the chief noodler himself, Paul, the guy who wrote uh, Hazel. He talked about some of his workflows. Yeah, one of his interesting ones, I thought, is that he uses QuickBooks um, to manage his business. And you can download import files um, with your bank statements. And 
he has actually said it that so when he he downloads his bank statements, he has Hazel look because one of the one of the things you can have Hazel look at is you can have Hazel look at the all of the information that's contained in the file, which with downloaded files includes where it was downloaded from. So depending on the domain from where it's downloaded from, whether it's, you know, Bank of America or Chase Manhattan or or whoever, then it it renames it based on the download. So it renames it Bank of America, whatever and then puts it in a specific folder. Now, Paul said that he could go the extra step and write an Apple script that will actually automatically import it into his QuickBooks transaction, um, but he says he's run into problems not with Hazel, but with QuickBooks and, and some of his bank transactions, so he always likes to manually look at that file first before importing it. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. There was a, there was another uh, listener who wrote in. It was uh, Carlton, who found online, and we'll put the link for this in the show notes, a way to add things, tasks to his Mac at home using Dropbox and Hazel. So he creates a file and has a little bit of code written into it, and we're going to give you the link with all that, that monitors this this Dropbox folder, and it'll grab the text out of that and make a new to-do item in things based on what's in that file. Right. So basically what he's having Hazel do is he's having Hazel watch his Dropbox, and when this new file that he always names the thing, same thing, you know, to do or things to do or or whatever, whenever that file appears, Hazel grabs it, runs an Apple script, and then because things is scriptable, that automatically for every line that is created in that file creates a new to-do in things. So it's it's very cool. This is one that I actually will implement myself. Yeah, and he gave some thoughts about using it with notational velocity, too, and simple note, which I thought were pretty neat. Oh, yeah, because anything you can pretty much get into a text file, you can get transferred there. So, you know, now even if you're working on PCs or or not in the program that you want to be in, there's still a way. I mean, so uh, very powerful tools, and especially when used in conjunction with other powerful tools like Dropbox, the, the possibilities are really endless. Merlin Mann had talked about on our workflows episode how he uses a Hazel rule to deal with secure files that he doesn't want people, other people to see, where he gives it a really obscure name and he puts it into a buried Dropbox folder. And then he creates a Hazel rule that essentially goes and destroys the file, you know, a day or two after it's uploaded, which I thought was a pretty smart idea too. And I've, I've stolen that from Merlin. Um, the, uh, there's just it's just really amazing what you can do if you go into the 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 Hazel recipe exchange. Um, there's a lot of posts in there, and we don't have time to talk about them all. But I strongly recommend you go check it out. And even more uh, important, come up with a few of your own and let us know. And, and let's let's put them in the comments. We're getting a lot of great email from listeners, but I really like it going up in the comments so everybody gets to see it. Right. So if you've got any any great uses for Hazel that we haven't talked about. Uh, stick them up in the comments and, and, you know, hey, even even post them as well in that recipe exchange. Uh, yeah. And not only share them with other Mac Power users listeners, but but share them with the, the Hazel world out there. Yeah, a listener Andy had written in, and he also disposes of OmniFocus backups like I do using Hazel. And he sorts PDFs. Uh, he uses web receipts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've used that before. And... Uh, and one of the things he had said was an unintended effect of Hazel's that sometimes he finds uh, files missed by AppSap or applications deletion routine. And, I found uh, that too. So maybe it's better. I don't. I don't know. I can't really speak for it. But I, I just use Hazel, so I don't know. 
But uh, it, it's just great to hear other listeners using it, and I look forward to seeing what everybody else does with it. There, there are so many different uh, uses for Hazel. Yeah, the possibilities, especially with the Apple scripting and the ability to work with automated workflows and services, that it really, really endless possibilities. So, and again, go back to the beginning of the show. I am, I am not nearly the Hazel geek that that David is. But I really believe that even if you use Hazel and you just kind of dip your toe into the water a little bit at a time, maybe use it to organize your desktop, maybe use it to organize your download folders, and then use it to get rid of remnants of any other applications after you, you throw them in the trash or, or empty your trash or, you know, if you're one of those people that uses your trash as a filing cabinet, get rid of stuff on a regular basis. Without putting much effort at all into Hazel, I think you can very quickly get your $22 worth out of it or less if you used our discount code. Um, and then things will come to you. You know, you'll be doing something and you're like, hmm, I could probably make a Hazel action for this. And, 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 and slowly by slowly, your library will grow. You don't need to have a big Hazel library overnight. Um, but bit by bit, you'll, you'll get there over time. And, and I think you can find a lot of functionality with the program without going geeking out too much. Yeah, and you don't need to do Apple Script and Shell Scripts. I mean, just using the basic built-in tools, you can get a lot done. So before we, we get into feedback, we've got a, a pretty big feedback section today. Before we get into that, we do want to thank our final sponsor of the day, and that is Fuse Meeting. And um, this is a, a new sponsor to the Mac Power users, and I guess we should just mention to people, um, David and I have, have made the decision that we are going to cap out our advertising at three sponsors per show because we don't want you all to feel like we're, we're constantly bombarding you with advertisement. So um, three per show, that's, that's going to be it. Um, so I guess let's let's talk about Fuse Meeting. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Fuse Meeting as a sponsor. They've got a great product. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, meeting software out there on the Internet these days, and most of it is basically screen sharing. You know, it gives you the ability to see somebody else's screen, which is great for some things. Uh, Fuse Meeting really takes it up a notch. The way their system works is uh, you put a meeting, you basically host a meeting off the Internet. So you've got all these assets, and it's great for, like, creative types. If you're doing video and high-end graphics or whatnot, you can upload all your, your meeting assets to the Fuse Meeting server before the meeting begins. And that way you've got a really steady stream of data coming down to everyone. You're not contingent upon, you know, if you have video and you're hosting it from your computer, it first has to get up off your connection and then down to the other person's connection when it's already up on the internet with fuse, uh, it's loaded in, you can preload it in before your meeting starts. And then it makes it really easy to share some really good stuff. I mean, we, you and I did some samples and we played with it. We when did. We, when we were considering, we, uh, you know, we using did some it. imaging, we did some PowerPoint, um, and in once the you know and again like anything you do need to do a little prep work and I, I recommend that you throw your assets up there before the meeting starts so that people aren't waiting for it to upload but um, you know just like you would prepare a, a packet of handouts for each meeting um, get those documents together throw them up on Fuse meeting and then whoever's in your meeting can access it and it works really well with uh, stuff that normally you wouldn't think about sharing in these types of online meetings like high definition video we did a sample with high definition video and you're able to stop and freeze frame it. And it just looked gorgeous on all the different computers attached to it. The other advantage of having a system where the data is essentially cloud-based is uh, it's multi-platform. So you can have attendees at the meeting, uh, even working off an iPad or an iPhone. They have, a, they have an iPhone app 
that allows you to attend a meeting and see all this stuff without even being at a Mac, which I yeah. thought was pretty one remarkable. Of, one of the test meetings we did, I was actually on the iPad and, and David was, was on a Mac. And um, I, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different interface, but it was still full functionality. Yeah, Fuse Meeting, I think, is really an up-and-coming company that's going to be uh, providing some great services for people who are looking at, especially, I think, creative types, where you've got a lot of data you want to share. But even in, in you know my business, I could see myself using this when we've got you know video or we've got a lot of pictures or whatever to have everything hosted off. Another feature that they have on the Plus and Pro packages is the ability to record and play back a meeting. So you can literally, you know, create a complete recording of your meeting and have other people listen to it later. Right. They also will interface with Skype or with traditional phone systems so you can conference call everybody in. So you you not only can can chat with Infuse Meeting, you not only can share your documents with Infuse Meeting, um, but also there's the, the voice component as well. Mm. Uh, right now you can get a free 30-day trial, and if you sign up, you get a $25 iTunes gift card. So it's uh, now's the time to give it a shot. Um, uh, no software, uh, uh, to freeze computers. I mean, it's all web based. Uh, it costs a lot less money for 30 day free trial and receive your $25 iTunes gift card. Visit fusemeeting.com. That's F U Z E meeting.com. And we'd like to thank fuse for sponsoring the Mac power users and welcome them to the show. All right, let's let's talk about feedback from our prior shows. We are still very thankfully getting in feedback from the Merlin episode. Wait, before we get to the Merlin episode, I have to talk about file naming. Okay. Because I have been proven that my geekiness is is not alone. Yeah, there there are some other crazy people out there. We have received a lot of emails from people saying Heck yeah, I want to get a file naming show. So we are going to do it. Uh, I wasn't ready to do it today, and I knew that this Hazel is going to take a while. So that is officially on the list, gang, and we are going to get to it at some point. So send me your ideas, too. And uh, when we get to the show, we'll have a lot to talk about. All right, so talking about Merlin Loose Ends, um, the, uh, the Merlin show obviously was very popular, and we got a lot of comments on the blog. And Merlin weighed in and said, hey, you know, if people have – Loosens they'd like to follow up on, let me know. So what I thought we'd do is just uh, put them on the comment thread to that show, uh, whatever questions you have, and then uh, we'll put together uh, a summary or something and, and see if Merlin has time to answer whatever you know portions of that he has time for. Well, so. and I think Merlin, and I, I don't want to speak for him, may be monitoring to some degree the comments on that thread because he has commented on it. So. Yeah. And we are going to get them back, but we also want to get bring some other workflow people in. Uh, so, in fact, that may be uh, very soon we'll have another workflow episode. Right. Uh, in general, about feedback, though, I, I would like to say, you know, we're getting a lot of it. We're getting so much email that it's really hard to keep up with, and we love it, and please don't stop. But we don't have enough time to talk about all the great email on the show. And a lot of the stuff we're getting in are really good uh, ideas. So I, I say, you know, put it on a comment thread if it's something that, you know, everybody else can benefit from, because I think the more people that read it, the better. Right. Uh, we've also got a couple of people who have started sending us in audio comments, and I guess uh, anybody really can do this. Uh, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com is the email address. So uh, drop on any, any kind of standard audio file and and uh, we'll take a listen to it. And I think uh, a couple of people are actually using the um, the iPhone app and the Note to Self 
app to to send us some comments and, and email it right off to us. So that's a very convenient way to do it. Um, first up here is Bob with a quick audio question regarding his uh, old car stereo in his new iPhone. Hello, David and Katie. This is Bob, and I have a question. Uh, I just listened to your excellent uh, podcast about traveling with a Mac, and that really includes traveling with an iPhone. So this is an iPhone question. I have an old, uh, three-year-old um, audio system in my car, in a Pioneer AVIG Z1. It has an iPod option, a 30-pin connector. It's part of the system. However, it doesn't seem to uh, support my iPhone 100%. When I connect it, it says this device is not compatible. It doesn't charge my iPhone. And I think they changed the pinouts over the years on that 30-pin connector. I'd like to be able to use that uh, connector to power the iPhone. So I'm wondering if there's an adapter that you know of. Um, please let me know. And maybe some of your other listeners will have the same issue with older peripherals that don't exactly work with their newer iPhones. Thank you. So I, I sympathize a lot with Bob because this is a problem that I have too. Um, I went out, you know, once I got my iPod and spent a couple hundred dollars on, on buying a stereo system that was compatible with my iPod. And then the first generation iPhone came out and my stereo doesn't read it at all. I mean, it's got the 30 pin dot connector, which I specifically wanted because I wanted the ability to, to charge my iPod while I was driving around in the car. Um, but although with my first gen iPod that, that 30 pin connector charged it, it, it wouldn't do anything in terms of, of playing the audio. And then all of a sudden the, the 3G iPhone came out and, um, it not only won't charge it, it won't play. So, you know, short of upgrading your audio system, there's, there's really nothing you can do about getting the audio to play. Um, unless of course you've got an aux jack or something like that, that you can plug into, which unfortunately my, my car system does not. Um, but if you, if you simply want to use that, that dock port to charge, which is what Bob wanted, there's a, a great little adapter called the passport. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but Apple, uh, rejiggered their configuration a little bit, uh, with the later generation iPhone. So, um, the idea is this passport will will convert for lack of a better word the the pin connectors so that your your newer hardware can talk to the older dot connector um and at least get you some power now it it's not guaranteed to work with everything but it it should work uh with some of the newer iPod touches and and some of the newer iPhones so definitely you know check out their website before you buy see if if it's compatible with the product that you have um, and you know, make sure you read all the information because you don't want to inadvertently fry your iPhone by by crossing the streams for for any reason. But um, put a link in the in the show notes and you can check it out. Never cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. We also heard from Auto D about Starbucks wireless security, and uh, I had question about whether using a secure connection that's HTTPS at an internet cafe was safe. And uh, he wrote in and said, anything sent in the air that's encrypted on your computer goes through the air uh, encrypted and unreadable on these HTTPS sites. And uh, then talked about the man in the middle attack where someone pretends to be the router and tricks you into connecting. And and that is uh, what I avoid, frankly, with my MiFi because there is no man in the middle there. Uh, but 
uh, I think the point of AutoD's uh, email was, you know, it's probably not as as much of a risk as as I made it out to be. So I don't take take but it for what it's worth. You still want to be careful when when connecting to to public unencrypted hotspots and access points. So yeah. use use good common sense. And he actually he finished his email with a great st- statement too. I'd avoid public computers like the plague. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which I think is a good statement. Right. Uh, Anthony wrote in with a couple of points of of follow up to our networking show, um, but he mentioned that most of the third party routers now that ship also ship with a CD that says "Run me first and then goes through and walks you through configuring the router. Um, and I. I knew that that was the case on PCs, but I wasn't aware that these CDs were being shipped for Mac computers. Now, granted, it's it's been several years since I bought a non-Apple branded router, so it's it's possible, and in fact, I hope that that has changed. Um, but my experience in the past is that those auto run or auto setup CDs have have been for the the PCs out there, and that if you just straight plug the router in, it's it's usually going to work, and it's going to have that generic D link. Um, password. So uh, take a look at that. But I think most people like me ignore it that say, you know, read me first or install me first. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And for non-geeks, I think it's even more true. You're going to just plug it in. And when you see you have the internet connection, you're going to be, well, you're going to be afraid of doing anything that might screw it up. So you're less likely to, to go in and do anything. Adrian wrote in about uh, partitioning a hard drive, asking my opinion as to whether he should partition the drive on his computer. Um, you know, partitioning was a big deal back in the days that we had 10 megabyte computers. Back in the late 90s. Yeah, and I haven't partitioned a hard drive in a very long time. And there's no, I don't see any reason to do it on a Mac. No, I, I agree. I would not, not partition a hard drive on a Mac. Um, we also got an email in from John who mentioned that one of the benefits of buying within the Apple ecosystem um, is that you may have some Apple Care benefits. And this is something that I had always believed but had heard that in common practice was not necessarily the case. And, and John gave us a couple of tips. But if you read the Apple Care agreement, which I have done, and it's possible they've changed it since I've read it. It, it says that Apple Care covers your Mac as well as any um, airport base stations and, and routers that work with it. And, and usually that language, at least with respect to display, says that we're bought at the same time with it. But I, my interpretation of that, and not a legal interpretation, just Katie's interpretation, um, is that means that if you have an Apple Care covered Mac and you have um, a, an Apple wireless product, that you can then use that Apple Care coverage to extend, you know, to your airport. Um, in practice, I've had some different results when actually taking it to the store because the store have said, can, "Can you show me some proof of purchase to show that it's within a year?" And I've never really had to press the issue, although I've been prepared to. But usually, the Apple Store takes care of you, and it's not an issue either way. Um, but John mentioned that if you call in to Apple Care and you call in. For example, the Mac, the the Apple covered product that is the Mac, you kind of get into this this system where you've already got an Apple Care generated ID. So you call in, you give them the Apple Care information for your covered Mac, and then you tell them that you've got an issue connecting your Mac or whatever you need to do with this with this airport. You're already kind of quote unquote in the system, you know, in the Apple Care system with your covered product. And he says that that tends to work in order to get Apple Care coverage service um, on 
on the router product. So something to something to take a look at and keep in mind, certainly. Yeah, we also heard from a listener, and I apologize for not writing the name down, but uh, he wrote in about, you know, Wi-Fi without the MiFi. You know, I talk about my MiFi all the time. And he was talking about on his jailbroken phone, uh, there is an application uh, called, uh, where is it? MyY, M-Y-W-I. It's a $10 app, and it allows you to share your 3G uh, via USB or Bluetooth which is, in essence, what a MiFi does. And so it turns your, your iPhone into a MiFi device. Obviously, you'd have to jailbreak your phone to do that. Um, I'm mm. not really interested in doing that. But Yeah, I don't uh, recommend that either. I'll but it's an option. This would be a good reason to do it, though, if you needed it, because uh, this is a real bit of functionality that, for one reason or another, AT&T has just never got around to activating on our phones. Right. All right. Well, that is uh, probably going to take us long enough. Unfortunately, we didn't get to all of our feedback. We'll, tr- we'll try to catch up as, as best we can in the follow-up episodes. Um, but as David said, if, if you go to our website, that comments section is a, is a great place to leave feedback. We read them. I promise you we read all of the comments. Um, but also the community at large can read them, and you can not only get our feedback on, on issues, but you can also get feedback from everybody else. Yeah, and it's really great seeing the kind of community growing up around that. I'm real happy to see everybody adding into it. And, you know, one of the big benefits for me of doing the show is learning from the listeners. So I always look forward to seeing what people have to say. Right. So that do- that about does it for Hazel. Yeah, uh, what's next? We're I think our next show is going to be, well, we our next power user show, we're going to talk about our iPad workflows. Right. But I think our next show is going to be a, another workflow episode and we've got our guest lined up. I just want to get everything, you know, signed, sealed and delivered before we start talking about it. So at this point, we're not going to tell you who that person is, but I guarantee you, uh, uh, he's a bright guy and is going to teach all of us some new tricks about using our Mac. So I'm looking forward to having him in. So our mystery guest yes, who you've our- now disclosed is, is male. Yes. So I just uh, I just narrowed it down for you. There you go. Right. 50% of the population. There you go. More or less. More or less. Uh, so we're get, we've got another show we're going to do on iPad coming up, but I think before that we'll have our next episode will be the workflows. So uh, be thinking about the iPad, too. I think we'd like to talk about how we're incorporating the iPad into our workflows, and in light of some of the shows we've published, it's changed I know for me, it's changed several things that I've already talked about on the show in the past. So I'm looking forward to kind of going through that and hearing what you're doing as well, Katie. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm working on my workflow with the iPad. So, so hopefully um, doing one of these workflows shows in between. And I got to say, it was probably a, a little earlier than I'd normally planned for us to do another workflows episode. But, but hey, when, when you get the great guest, you, you, work, you work on their schedule. Exactly. And so, and that's going to be a great show. I can't wait for it. And uh, I'm looking forward to recording it and listening to it. And uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors one more time. Smile on my Mac, one password and fuse meeting. Uh, I think we've got a great uh, group of sponsors on the show and I encourage you all to go check them out. And where they all have some great products that I think really fit with our listeners. Right. You can find links to all of their products at our website, which is www.macpowerusers.com. Not only can you find links to all of our great advertisers' products on our websites, but you can also find links to everything that we talked about in this episode, uh, as well as comment on anything that we talked about uh, in this episode and and join kind of the community and the, the conversation that's starting up there. And you can always review us on iTunes. We appreciate that. It helps get our podcast in front of more eyeballs, which is important to us. We like to grow the audience.
You can also email us at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacPowerUsers. All right, David. Well, it's been fun geeking out with you on Hazel, and uh, we will be back next time with our mystery workflow guests. And then after that, we'll be talking about our workflows on the iPad. So I look for lots of good things to come. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to adding to the show notes for the next show some comments about the great Hazel workflows our listeners give us. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you. <laughs>